Uh, well, before Remy comes up, Neil, I'd love you to come and just share a few words with us, if you would. Neil is part of the board of UCB, so if you ever listen to the radio, or if you get the word for today, uh, books, it's this man you've got to thank. <laughs> and uh, we love you and appreciate Just a few moments with you this morning, church. A privilege to be here. I've been coming up here for, golly, it must be 10 years, I think, over the, well, over the 10 years, and I just love it when I get here, the, the, the vibrancy and the passion. Um, for the things of Christ in this place is fantastic. You probably guessed it, I'm not from around these areas. Um, both Fergus and I and our wives live in Australia, but I had the privilege of serving UCB for about seven years looking after their broadcasting department. And uh, once you get there, the passion and the vision for what God wants to do through that ministry just captivates you, and I can't shake it. I'm just so excited to be a part of it. UCB has two digital radio stations, just in case you don't know, UCB1, UCB2. It has the devotional, the word for today, um, written by Bob Gass and uh, it's widely circulated across this, uh, this country and beyond. And we also have a, an app, UCB Player. So if you haven't seen any of those things, just uh, jump onto the app stores or whatever you like. But the vision of UCB, I just want to spend a few moments on this morning because it relates to, I believe, where this church is at. UCB was founded 30 years ago on the vision that in the years ahead there was going to be an unprecedented move of God across this nation and indeed all parts of the world. And it would be such an unprecedented move that the churches would not be able to cope with what God was doing. And so to establish Christian radio to help spread what God was doing, to spread the move, but also help nurture and develop those people that were coming into the kingdom to work alongside the churches. Friends, I believe, and we as a ministry certainly believe, that that unprecedented move of God isn't that far away. And you can see it all around the world. God's doing stuff. God's doing stuff. He's preparing his church for such a time as this. He needs a church that can stand tall on their identity of who they are in Christ. They need a church that's in unity, that's pure in spirit and has a sensitivity to the leading of what God is saying, what God is doing. To do that, in recent years, he's been doing a lot of shaking. He's been preparing us for this time. He needs a church that's fit for purpose. At UCB, over recent years, quite a number of years actually, he's been making us fit for purpose. At times it hasn't been that pleasant. We've had financial situations to deal with. We're a big ministry with big outgoings. God has blessed us and sorted out that now. But he also took us through a journey, and Jared was involved in that, of lifting our spiritual energy, if you like, in the place, lifting our passion, our desires for the things of Christ so that when revival does start to move across this place, we're ready for it. We know how to share it and we've experienced ourselves internally. And so UCB now, I believe, in fact, we had a visitor the other day come and say, after showing me around the buildings for the first time, he said, Neil, I've never seen a ministry that is so unified in purpose 
from the, the gardener to the CEO to the, the presenters, the marketing department, who know their calling, know their passion for this ministry and their purpose to why they're called. And he also said, I haven't seen a ministry that has such a, a purity of spirit across it. Now, all thanks to God. I mean, he's done a big work within us. But he's doing it right around the world at the moment. Our church back home on the Mornington Peninsula in Melbourne. When we moved back there about seven years ago, the doors were on the point of having to be closed because it was bankrupt. And there are other issues on as well. But God sovereignly brought in people into that church. And over the last seven years or so has totally turned it around. Its foundations are strong. Its governance is strong. There's a new pastor who's been brought in to, um, you know, can take it to the whole next level. Because we, we needed one. <laughs> we were in a mess, basically. And so God's done a, a sovereign work. The goal of our church was based on revival. That was the vision of our church. The goal of UCB was based on revival. And the very name of what we have here is based on revival. And I just sense that the journey you guys are on is all part about getting ready because God's going to reveal himself in a new and exciting way. He's, done, he's doing a deep work, reshaping us. He needs us to be focused and on track, ready to what he wants to do. And here at Revive, I know he's been doing a deep work as well. And it's just preparation for the new season. Because in this new season, he needs the right people at the right place, at the right time. United in purpose and pure in spirit. Church, you're in for an incredibly exciting time. I want to come back in 12 months and just see you know, what God does in this new season for you. And if you're new here this day, today, I just want to let you know, you're in a safe place. Your leaders, these two, haven't got a religious bone in their bodies. They're just humble people, pure in spirit, following to the best of their abilities the God leading that has been placed before them. you don't know also they've um, their influence goes well beyond this this church here their influence goes out across the airwaves of UCB and other places their influence is touched in America across Europe down to Africa their influence goes to my little church in Australia you know the open heaven series they do is just one example of that our church uses that on the other side of the world at a different time of day in our prayer meetings because it carries such a beautiful anointing, a beautiful such of God's, God's presence. It's powerful. And you know the whole open heaven thing? I think what that is doing around the world, as simple as it is, it's massaging the hearts of people massaging their hearts to prepare them to receive the fullness of what God's about to do in his unprecedented move because it's so totally different to what the church has experienced up until now. So I just want to say 
you are in a good place. You are in a good place where God's manifest presence is just going to blow your minds away. For a church like this to be an adventure park. <laughs> what a perfect fit. It's just a perfect fit. And the timing of it all, it's just incredible. Jared and Vicky, as I was reading um, scripture the other day, this, this verse came out to me. 1 Peter 1.22 says, Now because of your obedience to the truth, the word of God and what God is saying to you, the obedience of the truth, you have purified your souls and he empowers you to be full of love for your fellow believers. Can I just pray for you? Father God, I just thank you for the privilege of being here at Revive Church. I thank you and celebrate with them and with you, Lord God, the journey you have them on. Lord, have your hands of protection and wisdom around their every moves, our Lord. I pray for your strength, your abundant love and your abundant grace, Lord God, that as they venture out into what I believe is the fullness of their calling, Lord God, that the multitudes will literally come through the door and the testimonies of those people will be shared around the world, Lord God, and everybody will be saying, do it again, Lord God, just like you did in Hull, Lord God. Do it in South Africa. Do it on the morning to a peninsula, wherever it is, Lord God. That's one of this place. We're one of the key tools that God uses to breathe an unprecedented move across this nation and beyond. And Lord, we submit it to your hands now. We lay it before you, Lord. Continue to mould it and shape it for the purposes you have ordained it, I ask. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Oh, thanks, Neil. I didn't know you were going to say nice things about me. I hear you were five <laughs> now. Travel well. We love you lots. Have fun in London next weekend seeing Hamilton. Anybody jealous? That's great. No, we love you guys. We really appreciate you. Give our love to Fergus and Judy as well when you get back. So, um, yeah. So, Neil will be popping out 10 minutes before the end. It's not because Remy said something wrong in the sermon. <laughs> Bless you, Neil. Thank you. Come on. Thank, you. thank Neil and UCB and all the ministry that they've done to us. Remy, I want to get you on now because I don't want you to run out of time. Come on, let's welcome Remy. We're going to hear from God, have some updates on open doors and all that kind of thing. Go for it. Thank you, thank you. Only by grace I can stand here, and I thank you, Gerald, for the privilege um, of allowing me to be here. It is a cosmopolitan service today, multicultural. We start with a Welsh accent, then we move to Australian accent, and now you're going to have a multinational accent. <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. Praise God. Uh, when Gerald asked me to speak today, um, he told me, do what you want to do. Okay? But if you know the ministers, it means read in between the line, <laughs> talk to the Holy Spirit, and get something from him. And that's what I try to do. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to do three things. First thing is give you two notices. Then I will give you an update on the work of Open Doors and the persecuted church, persecuted family throughout the world. And then I will share some word of encouragement or maybe of challenge to, for all of us. Is that okay? Right. So first thing first, men in the church, what's happening this Saturday? Yes. 
So we've got men's breakfast. Paul is coming from um, uh, CVM, Christian Vision for Man in the UK. Amazing ministry. Uh, we've been some and I, we've been to some of the camps where they used to do face-to-face. -face. I think they've resumed when you see hundreds of man, men walking to the stage to give their life to Jesus as a result of prayers. Uh, it is amazing. So, men, see you this Saturday, 10 o'clock. Okay? Breakfast guaranteed. Good. So that's the first one. The second one is um, about the National Day of Prayer and Worship. I don't know if anybody knows about that movement. I can see Gabrielle, I can see Gerald with Pastor Jonathan, uh, Jonathan Oloday. Um, it's a movement I didn't know about until Gabrielle mentioned it to me. Then I su subscribed. And every Thursday, 7 p.m., if I can, I join a prayer where we've got 200 plus people, Christians of all ages, all walks of life, throughout the UK, from north to south, east to west, getting together on Zoom, praying for this country or for any other uh, issues that are important in the world. Now, the one thing that's going to happen, this December, there is a call from the Holy Spirit that we need to take the church out of the building. Nothing new. Uh, Stuart spoke about it last week, the go. Um, and there is a big movement called Shine Your Light this Christmas, 1617, to try to do something that you have not done before so that neighbors relatives, uh, co-workers, everybody that God has put around us will hear the message of Christmas, the good news this Christmas. The hope is that millions in the UK will hear the message for the first time. So I've got a one minute, seven second, um, 17 seconds video uh, and uh, Pastor Jonathan will be speaking. Uh, let's watch. What if the whole church gathered together in unity to celebrate Christmas, shining their light in towns, villages and cities across these aisles, bringing the message of Jesus' birth alive through song, making a noise and a shout and a dance. Well, that's what we are doing. And you can join us. I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. And I'm in. We are inviting you to shine your light in your community this Christmas. As hundreds of thousands of believers take the message of Jesus, our Emmanuel, to all public places and spaces. To find out more, join us at www.shineyourlight.org.uk. Joy to the world! I would encourage you to go on that website. You can register as an individual, as a group, and there are resources, and they will be publishing um, resources, how to help people to, to, to share the gospel of Jesus this Christmas. And it is easy. I praise the Lord the day I discovered that human beings love quizzes. <laughs> Especially the British people. They love quizzes. And I've developed my Christmas quizzes. I can walk in a shop. The cashier is there. I tell them, I've got a Christmas quiz for you. <laughs> they freeze and they look at you. 
I've done it in offices, walk into office, I've got a Christmas quiz, everybody freezes and they listen to you. And the aim of my quiz is always to take them to Emmanuel. Okay? Let me try something with you, just, just to give you flavor. If you want more, you need to talk to me. Okay, you're going to talk to your neighbor and try to get the answer. In which country did the custom of giving gifts, presents, of giving Christmas presents started? Which country, which century or year were the custom of giving presents, Christmas presents started? Talk to your neighbor, decide. Pick, give, one second, we've got oh, no, one minute, sorry. Ten seconds left. Five, four, three, two, one. Time's up. Time's up. Okay. Throw some, some answers to, at me. Italy. Wise men in the Bible. Josh, Josh, you dying to speak? No? Anybody else? So Italy, wise men in the Bible. Anybody else? Norway, yes. America. Africa. <laughs> so all these are fantastic. That's what I like to hear. And then I will chip in to say, guess what? The country is called heaven. The, the year is called before the foundation of the earth. He decided to give his one and only son for you and me so that if we believe, we will be saved. He decided to give that first present before we were born. And then people go, wow, I didn't know that. So, and then the next question is, why will God give that present? To whom? And many people to Mary, but the answer is to everybody. Okay? And then I say, if someone gives you a present, you always react to the present. You, all, you either go, thank you, how did you know? I like this. I needed it. Or, what is it? eBay. <laughs> and the question is, since God has given you his son, have you reacted to that gift yet? This Christmas, you need to answer, to tell him whether you like it or you don't like it or you're still thinking about it. And that could be one gospel message for Christmas. And I've got several, several quizzes like this for Christmas. So, it's fun. I can't wait. I used to hate Christmas because of consumerism. Now I can't wait for Christmas to come. Because it gives me free, freedom to talk. Anybody, anywhere, no one will tell you shoveling your gospel to me. They love Christmas. They love quizzes. Anyway, so let's join the shine your light this Christmas. Learn some quizzes and go have fun and just spread the good news. The answer, the result is up to God, not to, up to us. Pray before, leave it to God. Amen? Amen. Very good. Okay, so that was the notice bit. Now let's move on to, um, to open doors. We're going to watch two short videos. What would you dare to do for Jesus? Would you defy dictators? Worship in secret? Sacrifice your safety? Over 360 million Christians around the world face persecution and discrimination every day. 
And these are the top 10 countries where Christians risk everything for Christ. Number 10, Sudan. Unrest in Sudan has increased following a military coup. Violence and pressure against Christians have worsened. At number nine, Afghanistan. Following the Taliban takeover, those Christians who have not fled the country have been forced deep underground. If discovered, they face death. Iran is at number eight. Iranian house churches are seen as a threat by the Islamist regime. Church members who are caught are given long prison sentences. Number seven, Pakistan. Pakistan's infamous blasphemy laws are often used to target believers. Christian women and girls are vulnerable to kidnap and forced marriage. Nigeria is at number six. More Christians are killed in Nigeria than in all the other countries of the world combined. And the violence is getting worse. Number five, Libya. In this lawless land, both native and migrant Christians are targeted, kidnapped, and even killed. At number four is Eritrea. Christians who dare to meet without official permission risk arrest. Over a thousand believers are in jail without charge. Yemen is number three on the list. The humanitarian crisis continues. Anyone suspected of being a Christian will be deliberately overlooked for aid and might be expelled or killed by their own tribe. Number two is Somalia. Islamic militants are intensifying their hunt for Christians and violent attacks are increasing. And at number one, North Korea, the most dangerous place in the world to be a Christian. Spies are everywhere. Discovery means death, either by execution or by being worked to death in a labor camp. Despite the danger, in all these countries, the church is not defeated. It is living, powerful, defiant. And for over 65 years, Open Doors has stood with this church. Where Christians risk persecution, our underground networks support millions of believers with emergency food and aid, spiritual care, smuggled Bibles and Christian books, training and legal advice. And where Christians enjoy freedom, we work with local churches to raise prayer and support and to speak truth to those in power. Every day around the world, Christians risk everything to follow Christ. Will you dare to stand with them? Thank you. That gives you the overview of the work of Open Doors. Um, So Open Doors started in 1955 by Brother Andrew, some of you would know that name, who um, after 
a long and satisfying life went to be with the Lord, so I passed away last year, September. And um, there's a network of volunteers working for no, no, uh, Open Doors um, in places like the UK where we enjoy relative freedom. Um, we've got Open Doors volunteer speakers like myself, I'm an Open Doors volunteer speaker. Uh, they train you if you want to, and the aim is to go to churches to do what I'm doing today, raise awareness. Some people are not aware of what you've seen on, on, on the videos, how much Christians are suffering. Last year, it was 345 million. This year, it is 360 million. So the number of Christians being persecuted, severe uh, persecution, is increasing year in and year out. And we need to know so that we can stand with them um, in prayer at least. In Africa, one in five, they say one in seven globally, but in Africa it's one in five, that 20% of Christians. In Asia is worse, that's uh, two in five, 40% of Christians um, are, are suffering severe persecution. And every single day, 15 Christians are killed for the faith. Uh, besides those who are imprisoned and tortured, those who are losing their lives for the sake of Christ, uh, 15. And 14 of those are in Nigeria right now. So northern part. It's a big country, lots of people. The northern part with the Fulani tribesmen, the Islamists there. Uh, there's lots going on there. Um, they hate Christians. Obviously, there's a demonic power behind them. They hate Christians. They want to kill Christians. So 95% of all Christians that die are, are being killed, martyred. It's happening now in northern Nigeria. However, as we heard... That's not depressing, or humanly speaking, sounds depressing. The church is defiant. The church is growing. In China, uh, Mao Zedong, uh, in the was it 40, 50s, when he came to power, he tried to destroy the church because communism and Christianity didn't match. Okay? Light and darkness couldn't live together. He tried to suppress, to destroy the light. So when he started, there were hundreds of thousands of Christians. They went underground in prisons. When he died, there were million, hundreds of millions of Christians in, in China. Okay? You try to destroy the church of Christ, you're a loser. He said, I am building my church on the rock. The gates of hate, the gates of hell will not, it's not a maybe, will not prevail. So regardless of what you see with your eyes or your ear, with your ears, the church of Christ is thriving, even in the middle of persecution. I, I, will, hopefully I will share some, some st uh, stories. Because churches, buildings have been destroyed, torched, vandalized, but the bride of Christ cannot be destroyed. It's thriving. Big time, big time. And now China is shifting because they've tried all the tricks in the devil's book. It's not working. And the last trick they're trying right now is to try to rewrite the Bible, translate it with communist influence. So they're using, like, for example, the story of Jesus uh, and the, um, the, the, the woman caught in adultery. So they're adding that at the end when everybody went away, Jesus abused this lady. And... Yes, that's what they're doing. They, they, they're corrupting the Bible, and they want to distribute that Bible, hoping that many will read the story and reject Christ. Guess what? It will fail. Amen. Yes. He said, I'm building my church on the rock. It, won't, it, it will fail. So we know it. 
So how can you respond when you hear about uh, persecution? So I'll give you three ways of responding. The first thing is pray. If you can, make a commitment to pray. Because our prayer can go where we cannot go. That's what Brother Andrew used to say. Okay? I can't go and meet the Prime Minister in his office, meet him today, but my prayer can go in number 10, anytime. North Korea leader Kim Jong-un, the president there, I can't go meet him, I can't, it's impossible, but my prayer can go into his house, his office, his entourage, and influence what's happening there. So our prayers can go where we cannot go, so pray. And also ask the Holy Spirit to let the persecuted brothers and sisters know that the church is praying. There are testimonies of persecuted Christians saying, I sensed that people were praying for me, and that encouraged me in the middle of persecution. So pray. And commitment to prayer is key. You can pray alone. You can pray in small groups. You can pray as a church. Regional, national, virtual, face to face. There are lots of opportunities. And you know that here, the first Monday of the, every month, we do pray 7.30 uh, on Zoom. So you're welcome to, to join us. It, it goes on e-news. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, so if you want to join, join. You don't have to pray. You don't have to pray. There are nobody's a guru in prayer. No one. No one. No one knows how to pray. Only the Holy Spirit. So sometimes joining a prayer meeting just to sit there and to say, Amen to that prayer. I agree. Me too. I say that prayer. Amen. That's what it means. Uh, sometimes you can pray a short prayer. Sometimes you can pray a longer prayer. If you're a chatterbox, you can pray a lot. God is a father, so... As a father, you know, if you've got lots of children in the family, some of them are chatterboxes, some of them are quieter. So God is okay with that. Those who keep quiet say, amen, that's fine. Those who go on for a couple of minutes, that's fine. So join a prayer meeting alone with other people. Pray. And there are resources that are available to help you. Um, I will show a couple of resources here. What do we have? The prayer diary. Oh, I didn't put it here. Open Doors produces um, prayer diaries. It comes with this magazine every, uh, it's a bi-monthly bi um, bi um, uh, publication. It comes with a prayer diary that gives you what to pray for every day. So a prayer item. You can join that. Um, uh, it's very helpful and it humbles you when you see what's going on elsewhere. So pray. It's very important. And other prayer resources are what we call the World Watch List what you saw on the first video. So you've got a map, I've got it at home, that gives you the top 50 countries from number one to number 50 where persecution is worse in the world, the most, what keeps on the most persecuted. And you can start with number one, number two, whichever way, or pick a country a day and pray for the country. So it's important to have this information. I've got a few copies uh, at the door, there's a table there. Pick a copy for yourself and um, use it. I also have something for the young people. So if you've got younger um, primary school or early uh, secondary school, another map for them, it's, I'm not gonna open it, uh, with a passport where they can match the country to the passport, learn about persecuting that country, and then say a little prayer and take it in a, in a passport. So it's a good way of yeah, introducing um, younger generations to praying for the persecution brothers and sisters. The other thing we can do is to act. 
So number one is prayer. Oh, by the way, when it comes to prayer, there is a prayer meeting in Leeds on the 4th of November. I would like to invite you. It's called Standing Strong Event. Uh, Saturday, 4th of November, 10 a.m. to 2.30 p.m. Um, in the Bridge Community Church, Ryder Street, LS97BQ. Come to me. I've got leaflets there. You can pick a, pick a leaflet uh, on, uh, on the table there. And a sister from South, uh, North Korea, an escapee from North Korea, um, Kim Sang-hwa, will be talking, will be at the meeting, tell us about her experience in North Korea as a Christian, the persecution she went through, and how she, hopefully how she escaped, how she came to, um, to this country. So that's going to be interesting. Annette and I are planning to go, so... Um, if, you want, if you're free, feel free to come. That's Saturday, the 4th of November. And number next, ACT. Open Doors produces letter writing guidelines or guides. Uh, if you can write a letter to a Christian, it will be helpful. The two ladies were arrested in, um, in Iran, uh, Miriam and Marzier, and they were strong in the faith in prison, in this notorious prison called Even Prison. They were interrogated several times, but at some point the interrogator get annoyed, angry, fed up, and they ask them, who are you? Who are you really? So why? We're just normal citizens. Why are you, are we, are you receiving so many letters? <laughs> Hundreds of letters are coming every week. Who are you? So we're just normal citizens. But daughters of God Most High, Christians throughout the world used to send them letters. And one of them was a teacher, thought that I've lost my career, children will never trust me, and until she started receiving letters from children, encouraging her, we've heard your story, stand strong. And that gave her strength to go. And they were eventually uh, released. Advocacy work, you can act advocacy work. Every year, January, Open Doors will launch the World Watch list, that map, for the top 50 in Parliament in the UK. So what we can do, what I do, they send, if you, you, you subscribe to Open Doors um, newsletters, you'll receive an email uh, in November, or yeah, mostly November, asking you to invite your MP. So there's a, 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 they've written a letter already. All you need to do, click, put your details, and then, as you click, it goes to your MP. And my MP has not attended yet, but he always sends me a reply saying that I'm aware of persecution, I'm aware of equality, I'm aware of it, but I'm busy, I have not attended. So I think at some point, if he starts receiving lots of invites, in, uh, that's, what, that's what politicians will do. If lots of people are calling them, same thing, they, this is serious, I better go. So. And the idea is for MP to attend so that when they make decisions, trade decisions with countries where there is persecution, they may also influence governments uh, with the decision. So it's very important to do that. What else? You can become a volunteer speaker if you want to. It's not a big deal. Even if you're busy, you can do it. And uh, lastly, you can also give uh, for the... Um, the sake of uh, open doors. Uh, one thing I want to say, pray. I continue to pray for Leah, Leah Sharibu. It's a, a young lady who was, uh, was it 13, 14, when she was taken 
hostage by Boko Haram uh, in northern Nigeria. She's still in captivity today from 2018. As many of them have been released, but she, she was tortured because she stood for a faith. Uh, at age 15, she stood for a faith in the middle of forest, surrounded by Islamic militants. They asked her to convert to Islam to have an easy life. She refused. She stood her ground. And for that, she was persecuted more than the other girls. So let's keep on praying for her and for Nathan and Rebecca, her parents in Nigeria, who are still hoping that she will, she will come back. And lately, lastly, you can give, if you want, of, to the Ministry of Open Doors, and that can be done online. Um, if you want to quick link to Open Doors, I've got modern technology. <laughs> it takes you to Open Doors website uh, quickly. Okay, so that's Open Doors, and come and chat with me and Annette at the door um, if you've got questions regarding persecution, and we'll be more than happy to talk to you about it.